I was going to look at uh, today at Matthew's Gospel, uh, just as we, as we look at God's Word. And I've just chosen uh, the temptation of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew, because I figured it was Lent. Uh, it's a period when traditionally some Christians will give something up. So I don't mind saying this. This isn't a legalistic, competitive thing, but I am giving up sweets for Lent, uh, because every time I've done it in the past, I've failed miserably. And so I do want to uh, sort of you know, have control over this. So I wouldn't say it's an entirely spiritual thing, but I think it is important to, uh, you know, if you feel convicted to sort of say that you do have control over your, your lifestyle and what you do. Um, so yeah, that's, so if you see me uh, reaching for the chocolate, then you can, uh, you can sort of have a go at me for that or something. In, uh, be kind, be kind. Um, so yeah, basically, um, in the Gospel of Matthew, it's often said that this is like the sort of the Christmassy gospel or the kind of... Uh, it's, the, it's the very traditional one. It's, sometimes it's kind of seen as the one that was written to the most traditional Jewish people. So it has the, the richest like genealogy and culture, but it's accessible to anyone. We can read it and understand it. Uh, and that's really helpful. So I'll just read it um, to us now. Um, and so it's Matthew 4, 1 to 11. And Jesus has just been baptized uh, and he's starting his ministry. And it says, Jesus is tested in the wilderness Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes uh, from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So there we go. So that is a a very famous passage, a very important passage. Um, And I I always like to just read it as simply as possible and to not put my own interpretation onto it. So just to to reiterate, I think the last time I spoke about this, and I'll probably make this point again, you know, trying to link things together, no matter how spurious. Jesus, when he was in the desert, um, I've just been, does anyone know, I've just been to Jordan this year. So it really was astonishing how whenever we got out the coach to look at some site, you just thought I would not survive long here. If, If the coach drove off, I've probably gone in less than a day, frankly. There is absolutely nothing there. It is um, just sweltering hot. There's no water. There's nothing to drink at all. And so the idea that Jesus went there. So I have actually, in the past, I have fasted for several days. I've, I've not eaten much or I've not eaten, uh, you know, almost any food. And um, I've really, I've not made it a big thing or I'm going to set a record or set a target. And I've, I've fasted for a few days and I, it's not about having a sense of pride about it, but it's about saying, actually, did I feel that was beneficial for me? I actually did. Yeah, I think it was a really good thing for me just to, I made some really clear decisions in my life. It was actually the time I got baptised. Uh, and it was the time I left accountancy, which, although it was an incredibly exotic, glamorous profession, uh, wasn't quite as interesting as Christian work. Um, and that was something which I think was really good. And I think God was in that. But obviously, it's important 
uh, to realize that actually we don't do it to like tick a box or set a record or something like that. Um, but as I say, going out into the desert and fasting for 40 days, just absolutely inconceivable and not drinking, that would be there. As I say, it would be hours. You'd, you'd feel it, probably less. So with, in, the, in the, the fasting here that we hear is that he, he went for 40 days. Now, a lot of people here will be aware of this, but most of the things in the New Testament, one of the things is that when people say, oh, why was the Bible chosen, all those books put together? The Bible has a real way of just joining together. And it, it themes in the New Testament, it, you know, echo themes in the Old Testament. And it's not a big, you know, song and dance, oh, link this up, link this up. And it's not about being intellectual. It's just saying is actually they do. So in the, in the book of Exodus... We had 400 years of silence or in, in that order. And then the Israelites left. They escaped from Egypt through God. They were freed, rescued from Egypt. And then they spent 40 years wandering in the desert. And so that 40 number is quite a significant one. And God, God like gives us these really subtle hints. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes, in fact, the overwhelming majority of the time, I'm really, really bad at listening to God. Really bad. So... There's no one who likes scrolling on Facebook more than me or wasting time doing all sorts of different things. And actually, sometimes God, he wants us to choose, but sometimes he will impose on us his silence or kind of like a fast. And it gets our attention. It really does. And that 40, uh, that 40 years, 40 days, that's something which is meant to, we're meant to notice a bit. We also see that both Moses, both Moses and Elijah, at different points in the Old Testament, they both fasted for 40 days, or th that is the implication. So Elijah was being persecuted, and he had one good meal, and then he basically went for 40 days down uh, to a different, uh, you know, he traveled for 40 days, and it doesn't say that he ate or drank at all in that time. And it was the same terrain, it was, it was desert. Um, so I think it's important points to make about fasting is that Jesus really, you know, he, he had nothing. And this is where we get Lent from, basically. Um, the church calendar actually has it as 46 days because they, we say that you don't fast on a Sunday. That is in the traditional Anglican, Catholic, Orthodox churches. Uh, but the Bible's, you know, it's clear, it's 40 days. Um, and there's a, an implication I did want to say, and I've just popped this in here, is that when it comes to fasting, it's not about... Um, you know, Jesus actually talks about this in another place. It's not about making a big song and dance about it. So I've just told you all I'm giving up chocolate. So I don't expect any spiritual bonus points for that. Uh, you, can, you can take that as you will, but it's not meant as a boast or as a, something like that. But Jesus said actually to do it completely privately. Um, but he did say when you fast, which is a bit of an implication there, is actually if you can never give up anything to focus on him, then maybe there's a bit of a challenge there is actually, you know, can you do that? I've, the, one of the other things which it's worth talking about is I've never gone 40 days without social media in however long it is since it took off, you know, 20 years or something. Um, and so maybe that would be something for future years I should focus on and actually say, yeah, do you know what? For 40 days, I'm going to be completely cut off social media. So, so yeah, and I think just to sort of do a bit of analysis, not to make this too much like school, but the Satan's temptations are, he starts off by saying, and it's very, very silky, Satan doesn't tempt you to do stuff which you, there's no attraction for you doing. So he, he won't say to you, if you're a sound mind and body, go and whack your head into that wall for 10 minutes. You know, he doesn't do that. He's, he can't be bothered doing that. He's very, 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 very tailored. He, he understands us. And it's, it's a horrible thing to say. I don't want to go into too much detail about it. But he will specifically get those things which it's more about diverting you than having some big, you know, kind of thing. Oh, why not become a 
airline pilot or something. You know, there's no, you've got no chance of doing that. Or why not, uh, I don't know, become a free diver and go to, you know, just dive down 200 feet. He's unlikely to say that to you if you've got absolutely no desire to do that. He's much more likely to use the desires you have. Some of them will be good desires. To, to want to eat is, is not a bad desire. Um, but Jesus was, he knew his, his mission and he knew what he should do. So he says, if you are the son of God, and so you see there's a bit of a hook there. There's always a little bit of a, a condition. It's kind of like, oh, well, if you're this, you know. And the point of a fast was that Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. He hadn't eaten and drunk for 40 days. He was more hungry and more exhausted and more thirsty than any of us have ever been. Because a bit like a weightlifter in a gym, he lifted that weight that we can't do that. So you actually experience that in his humanity more than we'd ever done. And so when Satan said to him, if you are the son of God, so come on, yeah, go on, show us, prove us if you're the son of God. You know, he's like going, you're really hungry. Now's the time, you know, put on a little show for me, you know. He said, tell these stones to become bread. And so none of that was separately, fundamentally wrong. You know, he was the son of God. He did have that authority, but he was, he was working on his father's timing. And Jesus responds using Deuteronomy, which is, Obviously, we also learn is, is what was given to the Israelites when they'd had the Exodus. It was the law. And he says, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so you might say, well, hang on a second. It's not wrong to eat. Obviously, God's not going to say that. But Jesus is responding to him, quoting scripture there. And he's just saying that man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if we, if we think on that, we're saying is actually he is working on God's timing. He is listening first to God's word. Um, secondly, he says, if you're the son of God, so he, he you know, carries on that subtle psychological pressure. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down and be rescued. Now, again, Satan deliberately misquotes from Psalm 91 here. And if you read the Psalm, it's basically about uh, knowing that under suffering and persecution and pressure, even when you see everything going wrong, particularly as a you're standing up as a Christian and everything is going wrong. And the more you stand out as a Christian, the more the Bible is understandable. That is a really, really clear thing. The more you stand out completely bluntly as a Christian, the more you begin to go, oh yeah, I understand that now. It is really, really relevant. And, um, but he deliberately takes that out as saying, what God is saying, as you follow me, as you follow me, as it, you know, it's talking about the, the people of Israel, the loyal people of Israel, then I will rescue you. I will stop your, you know, the angels or whatever. They will be there for you. And so he said, but uh, Jesus is correctly saying, obviously, as we, we know he would, he's saying is actually do not put the Lord your God to the test. So he's saying this isn't Psalm 91 saying God will be there for you as you go on your walk, as you follow Jesus. He's saying, uh, you know, let's put on a bit of a show again, you know, put on a bit of a show. So, um, uh, you know, as in bring about that rescue by running ahead of God's timing or doing it a different way. Has anyone here ever heard a child uh, decide to say, uh, you, you, um, you know, mum or dad says, oh, um, you know, I told you, uh, now come on, I told you to wash your, or to not eat that chocolate bar just yet. And they said, oh, but yesterday you said I could. He said, yeah, but that was yesterday, wasn't it? It wasn't today. So I, I updated the instructions by saying, don't eat the chocolate bar today. And so we're very, very good at mistiming things, aren't we, if we, if we want to. 
And again, it is, it is, all, it is down to us. It is a test of the heart. It's actually, do we want to obey God? But here Satan is just putting it, it's very, very silkily. He, Jesus is hungry. Jesus, in some ways, in his humanity, maybe he's wondering, God, you know, am I this thing? I don't, I don't know. I don't want to speculate too far. But he's, when you're weak, when you're hungry, you, it, that is a time when you both get testing, you get self-doubt. But you get more, you, as you come through that, you get more clarity. So he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then finally, he says, he comes out with this really outrageous thing says, you can have all the amazing kingdoms of the world, the nations of the world. Imagine that. Imagine that. All the nations of the world, you know, highly sophisticated Californian tech companies, uh, amazing, you know, natural, you know, resources, you know, experiences in the Maldives. Every Instagram sort of, you know, uh, kind of account that's got every glamorous thing. You would have the freedom of every city, you know, it would all be yours. And you could do some really good stuff, you know, oh yeah, I'll stop all the injustice and I'll do this and I'll do that. And this is basically, and it's really sad to say this, this is kind of like almost the temptation to sort of, um, in the last century, to communism. It said, actually, we'll free you from injustice and it'll all be great, it'll all be fair. And actually, what happened was the exact opposite from that. It was, it was the, the worst from that, is that as people decided to seize power themselves, um, uh, and you, you, you don't want to say that, I don't want to apply that and say that in every situation that was wrong to, to stand up for people's rights. But what you tended to see was a race to the, as people seized power and political regimes got more unstable, as you get a race to greater brutality. Um, and you see that kind of pride in that. My, uh, I say this a little bit from experience. My uncle uh, used to campaign to get Christians out of the gulag in, uh, the, you know, in the Soviet Union. And he did say that, yeah, the, the, the history of that nation and the, the injustice that came about as they claimed freedom, that kingdoms of the world thing. But that's a bit of a diversion. Um, and Jesus responds. So Jesus is the son of God. He is the Lord of the world. So, uh, I mean, you might say it's a bit rich, but I'm sure Satan made that an extremely attractive offer and an extremely real offer. He's saying, actually, I can make all the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, the... Everything else that exists, the whole lot can be yours right now. End of the suffering, end of the hunger, end of all the bad times, and an end of, to all the injustice. And a lot of the Gospels, actually, the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, sorry, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, actually, we hear, we, we, Jesus comes in, and he's just literally this guy. He starts off as, oh, he was born here, blah, blah, blah. And we see him slowly being revealed. And actually, one of the things that we, is always noticeable in a lot of the parables, whether it's the feeding of the 5,000 is that as people realize that he's got power and he can heal and he can do stuff, Jesus actually tells people, have you, have you noticed this a lot? He tells people, no, no, don't tell anyone who I am. Or he realized that people were going to seize him and make him king by force, you know, kick out the hated Romans. And Jesus continually kind of escapes from that. He continually rejects that. He says, no, that's not my mission. That's not what I'm here to do. Because Jesus isn't here to solve political problems or who reigns. Actually, he says over and over again that the, it starts off with all of our hearts. That is the problem. It starts off with all of our hearts. So his response to Satan is quite clear. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only, which is basically saying, you don't have that authority, mate. It's God who reigns and it's God's timing and it's God's uh, you know, kingdom that I'm, I'm after. Um, so yeah, just to go into it again, is it's quite interesting in Deuteronomy 8 too, 
Uh, and it's, it is a reminder about God in the wilderness. So the more we look into these Bible quotes that Jesus uses, the more we see the relevance. Remember how the Lord your God led you, in, uh, led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you, to humble and test you. So it was deliberate. God does test us and humble us deliberately. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna. Obviously, I wanted to get that one in there. <laughs> so the manna house, um, which you, neither you nor your ancestors had known, and that's interesting. So he, he wanted to test you in a way that he, neither you nor your ancestors had known. I, I'm, I'm riffing a bit here, but some of the things we face as a church are really interesting, aren't they, nowadays, is that like the onslaught of social media and the, the kind of the pressure of that is completely different. There were, I think 100, 150 years ago, a guy called Rousseau noticed that the way that consumerism and economies were going, he said that in 150 years you will see just the falling apart of a lot of communities and societies and things like that. You'll see actually where people really looked out for their neighbours, where they were there for people, where they sacrificed, where they were, had very strong family values. And he actually predicted that correctly. He saw what was going to happen is that as people got more consumer choice, they'd be less committed to each other. And so that's a very interesting thing. So that's just one, that's one thing there. And I think that's a relevant thing maybe to mention, but I'm going off, the, I'm going off topic a bit which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth, the, uh, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So again, it's, it's not saying bread is bad or food is bad. It's saying is actually first we focus on God, which is the point of a fast. It's saying is actually we're going to give up something which is good for something which is better, which is listening to God. Um, but obviously the point is to worship God, not our ability to resist hunger or a habit or whatever like that. It's, it's not to say to ourselves, oh, I'm very disciplined, you know. And then Deuteronomy 6.13, uh, sorry, we've got to go to this one. So with the second one where he says, throw yourself off the temple, he says, do not put your Lord to the, your God to the test as he did at Massa, which is where there was basically a, uh, a, a thing where, where he said, it's also worth seeing this, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. That's not very New Testament, is it? Um, well, we think that, but that is, that is where he's, it's what he's quoting from. It's what he's pointing us to. But he says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So we can say that and we know that in Jesus, he is both saviour and friend. He is alongside us. But in the, in the Old Testament, God very clearly did enact this and that was an indicator but it was from love it was showing us the way to go and the the thing at massa was a i, I won't go into this because there's, there's, i'll run out of time but it's a very interesting uh, incident worthy of a talk in itself so um and then the final one um is fear the lord your god and serve him only is again not about seizing power is actually about saying recognizing that it's god who's in charge um, I thought this picture would be helpful. Uh, this is probably what the, um, is called the Second Temple, uh, I think, and it's, um, it was built by King Herod about 100 years or so before Jesus arrived. A little bit of politics. My dad was a Latin teacher, so I always like to go off on that. I had a Bible upbringing, but also a sort of little bit of a Roman perspective. And they basically built this, and Herod was like a sort of a puppet king, kind of like a Roman sort of, uh, sort of, he was king of the nation, but he obviously did what the Romans told him to do, basically. Um, and this temple was massive. If you think they didn't have diggers and cranes and stuff, it was a very, very impressive engineering achievement. Um, and that in itself was something which the Pharisees and stuff were very, very proud of. They ran this huge facility and they had this monopoly. Um, and so it would have probably been 
This is what they reckon. Probably, Satan probably would have taken him there or shown him there and said, go there, chuck yourself off and let those angels rescue you. Because clearly, you know, you're, you're marked. God's got your, you know, he's going he's gonna, to, um, and that would have made such a massive impression. Because I like this picture because you just see the, the hundreds of people. And this probably wasn't even that busy. Imagine at Passover, you know, there was, people said there could be up to a million people in Jerusalem. And in those days, that was a, you know, it's a massive number of people now, but it was a huge number of people then. So if you wanted to do, start your Instagram campaign for I'm the Messiah and do it on your own terms, that's a pretty canny bit of a PR thing to do. Obviously, as long as the angels got you. But the, um, uh, and so again, Jesus, no, so again these, these were not idle things. They were, they were very real offers. Um, so that jumping from the pinnacle. But this is about God rescuing those who are walking in his path if you stay faithful, if you stay loyal. In today's world, we're taught a lot about economy, efficiency, equity, all of these things. But actually, God is saying it's, it's fidelity. It's actually just following my word. The other things are important, but it's following my word. And then, so yeah, just to go on about it, I know I'm going on about this a bit, but in the temptations, Jesus was very, very hungry. And as I say, sometimes maybe it's not food that you hunger. Maybe it's loneliness. Uh, maybe it's... Um, not really, really wanting something that maybe isn't a bad thing, but you don't have the money or the, the time to do it. You know, you want to travel the world, you want to do this or that. Maybe it's missing someone, it's bereavement. Maybe it's uh, that relationship that you can't have or you can't, um, you know, that, that isn't going well. And so actually, in, in many ways, we are given hungers anyway. And one of the things about fasting is that we kind of can, in a godly way, take control of that and say, actually, I'm not going to make this a big competition with myself. I'm just going to say is I want to set this aside to listen to God, to actually say, and actually it kind of, it's quite a good reminder when you don't uh, do something that you want naturally. It's kind of like this gentle reminder. He's going back, oh yeah, no, I'm not doing that for any other reason. Just I want to, I want to listen to God. And if you can make that stick, and I, I've had fasts where I've messed it up an hour in or a day in or whatever like that. You know, I've given up tea and coffee and then a week later, but you just keep going. You know, it's, as I say, it's not about a sort of, oh, yes, I've got this unblemished record, but it is about that setting something aside and saying, I need to, I need to do this just to, so that I can listen to God. Um, and Satan will choose our weakest moment. It's, it's, uh, he'll offer something flattering. That's a word that's gone out of fashion, is flattery. Um, and I, I say a lot of Instagram, I mean, a lot of scams are basically flattering. Oh, you're so intelligent. Your portfolio or your investments or your, you know, public image or whatever like that. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's an old-fashioned word with, which is massively relevant, massively relevant. We just live in an age of, you know, kind of like silky flattery is at uh, 100 videos or whatever. And, um, but it's all deception and he will do anything to stop us deepening our dependence and relationship with Jesus. And I think the more you get sensitive to Jesus, it's not about saying, oh, you messed up, that's it, that's wrong. But it's about saying is actually... Um, the more you get sensitive to Jesus and you open your conscience to him, and you can get a bit sort of more kind of open to that, it's about weighing it with God's word and saying, well, actually, yeah, no, to eat now. I, I've started fasts where I've thought, yeah, I'm going to not have this for six weeks or something. I, I, occasionally, I've tried to go, say, a day without eating. I've said, no, I'm going to set aside a day. I've, I'm deciding on a job or something. I just want to listen to God. And one of the things with me is if I don't eat, sometimes I just get an absolutely massive migraine. And in the end, I've just said, you know what? There's no guilt. Uh, it's, it's not going to work for me. So no guilt, no shame. Just, just carry on. I'm going to have some food and, and things like that. So I'm using this not as a sort of a, 
badge of honor, but just saying is it's, it's, it's highly practical. Um, but it's all deception. He will do anything to stop us deepening our dependence and relationship with Jesus. And as I say, it's actually sometimes almost a, a scary but a slightly good sign is that if you suddenly recognize weird things are happening in your life, then maybe you're actually on the right track because you are a threat. You know, that, that is the thing is, is um, maybe it's something to, to weigh up and notice and actually see that, yeah, this is, there's something going on here. But we have Ephesians 6, if people know that, about the full armor of God and actually going back to that and seeing that actually, yeah, if we, if we clothe ourselves with the, right, uh, uh, with the right attitude and the right things and own the right place, then we can be assured that God will, uh, God will defend us and he, he has got us. Um, and again, you know, there's stuff that we're, we're tempted to do that may not be obviously wrong. When it comes to fasting, there's no, there's no rule, you must do this, you must do that. It's, it's totally up to you um, and, and it should be private. But... Um, but yeah, sometimes it may be a more blunt thing, a more obvious thing that's wrong. Um, but as I say, if you feel convicted that actually you do want to give something up and just set some time aside and listen to Jesus, and that's a really interesting thing. And then the final thing is the dependence and waiting on God is an echo from the manor in the desert. So, um, and if you think that was for 40 years, and it wasn't bread, it was something different as we, as we talked about before. But actually that was continually making... You know, the, uh, it is pretty astonishing, as we said before. The Israelites had seen the breaking of the world's superpower at the time. So Egypt at the time was, you know, just a massive power in ev- economically, militarily. And through a series of public national disasters, all instigated by this guy Moses, who just walked out of the desert, you know. And so th- then to leave miraculously and then start grumbling is pretty astonishing. But I think we're all capable of that. I think we're all capable of that. And so God says, well, no, in that case, you're gonna, you're, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to give you this manna, this food, but you're going to learn to be dependent on me, and you're going to see that. And even then, we mess up. That's the message of the Bible, but God still loves us. He still keeps us going, but he does want us to depend on him, not because he's insecure, but because that's what we need. Um, and I like this. I, I, anyone here like Lord of the Rings? Yeah, it's very popular. Isn't it? And I, I always think that the character of Gollum, which is actually, I think it is a Hebrew word, um, is, you know, this, this thing where he's someone who's completely obsessed by the love of the ring. So Lord of the Rings isn't maybe 100% explicitly sort of Christian, but there's some massively Christian themes in there about, you know, desire and about, you know, sort of that kind of um, lust for power. And it's that thing, isn't it? It's, it's going back, if only I was in charge. And we're, we're looking at the temptation of Jesus. So if Jesus had to go on God's timing, if he chose to go on God's timing, whenever I think oh, I'd do a better job than these people or those people or whatever like that. It's always something that just makes me think, yeah, actually, if Jesus himself said, I, I need to do this with God's timing, it is, um, you know, it's, uh, sorry, yeah, not to get too sort of political there. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's discerning God's will is the key. And, and the closer we get to God, as we grow, as we're going for growth, I think it's, it's key to, to stick with God um, and to listen to him. So Jesus submitted to his, his father's will and wasn't flattered, persuaded, or bribed. Uh, he suffered and was, and was tested. Uh, but, and he crucially, as I say, most of the New Testament is an echo of the Old Testament. So it's showing the first Adam messed up. You know, Adam and Eve, they did fall to temptation. And they weren't starving either. They were in an amazing Garden of Eden. Um, and Jesus went through that and did uh, persist. So as we see that Jesus died on the cross uh, and then rose again, 
uh, and he, he conquered our sins. He paid for our sins. He also conquered sin. This was how he conquered that sin, is actually we saw him follow perfectly and live perfectly in this world. So when we say, oh, nobody's perfect, just remember Jesus, Jesus is and was. Um, so Jesus conquered sin and temptation. And then finally, I think just to say, if the prophets preceded Jesus and pointed to him, we learn that we follow him and we'll follow him in his temptation, but also in his victory. Um, and as we keep going, it's so encouraging and so important for us to know that actually Jesus uh, went through this so that we could follow him through this. And we learn that not all of life is going to be terrible, but particularly now um, in this country, and you know, not to exaggerate things, but there are people who are beginning to get what looks like a bit more sort of um, explicit persecution. Um, I am someone who's always uh, been a bit more open about my faith, and there's definitely times when I've lost jobs uh, or friendships because of it. I don't think over the years, mainly it's because of me being obnoxious. Um, sorry, uh, it might be. Um, but I think it has been for things uh, such as, you know, taking even small stands on things. So it's, uh, whether it's just about being honest at work, uh, in a way that was clearly a, a problem, not just, you know, sort of um, <laughs> clearly saying, oh, no, <laughs> you said that person was ugly or something, you know, not, not, not like just saying that, you know, just trying to stir things up. But, um, but actually just, you know, just seeing that the importance of a matter and the importance of something like that. And in accountancy, I had that a few times with actually saying is that, no, we're, we're, we're not going to cover up this or we're not just going to acquiesce to this. And this is a really important thing um, to say that in Britain, everything's hunky-dory and there's no problem, is that, you know, it is a scary thing. We, we are, it may not touch a lot of our lives, but we see I'm a hard-born boy. Uh, I'm not exactly sort of gangster, um, but where I've grown up very nearby, there's a lot of people who are basically in slavery. Uh, and you see that on the street, you see that around. And actually, even to try and it's, it's, it's minimal to say something or just share with people or do something, and occasionally that can actually be quite threatening, but even to try is, I believe, what God calls us to do, to take a risk. I mean, it says it's impossible to please God without faith, and faith is taking a risk. But we obviously are, you know, that is left to us to, uh, what to do. Um, and we will, as Christians, if you follow the Lord Jesus, we will face Satan. But we follow Jesus, who is far more powerful, who is uh, infinitely more powerful. And those temptations will be there. And as I say, they won't be kind of the you know, the obvious in-your-face temptations of, oh, you know, let's give you 10 billion pounds to chop your arm off or something. Uh, it will be something subtle and it will be something just to divert you away. And sometimes it can be a good thing which is used in the wrong way. Um, but yeah, I thanks for that. I, I thought I'd go for a bit of a traditional sort of Lent talk and I, I hope that's um, helpful. And, uh, but yeah, as we, go, as we go up to Easter, um, I'm definitely not someone of iron self-discipline or anything like that. But I, I think it's, as I've got older, I find it a really useful time just to think uh, and pray uh, and just be reminded about what Jesus has done for us, but reminded in a way that we depend on that and we really do that. And this talk is, I'm sure, the most benefit to me than anyone else here. I'm somebody who needs to hear this uh, more than anyone else. So thanks very much.